Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know. Crossed up by Colby. Well, floated Shaq. And then Shaq goes like this. And the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, Spawn. But I didn't make my point. I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clovercrest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. What's up, everyone? It is the Posting Up Podcast here. I'm Lucas Bulldog, and I am joined by Justin, Sean, and Big Chase. Welcome, gentlemen. Howdy. Yes, sir. Hope everyone's doing good today. Uh, um, someone who's uh, someone, a group of men who aren't doing too well are the Dallas Mavericks, and that's going to gonna transition us right into our first topic of the day. Dallas has lost six straight. They're sitting at 13th in the Western Conference. Guys, I'll, Sean, I'll start with you. What's going on with the Mavs? Why, why are they not playing up to par with how they were expected to? Yeah, I think there's a lot wrong with the Mavericks right now. Um, for one, you know, their second-best player, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, you know, he missed half their games already. He, he's been out for 10 games. Um, and most of them were at the start of the season, but, you know, there's – there's been a couple of games where, you know, he's been resting uh, like the, the other night against Phoenix. They rested him, which, you know, I, I get he's coming off an injury. But, uh, you know, if you want to contend in the Western Conference, you're going to need him. So I, I think, you know, they should try to get him out there as much as they can. Um, other than that, you know, I think they lost the trade with the Sixers in the offseason. Uh, Josh Richardson, uh, you know, who they got in exchange for Seth Curry just hasn't been good this year. He's been shooting terrible from the field. And, uh, you know, he hasn't been really making any other plays for his teammates. And uh, on top of that, you know, they're missing the, the shot-making ability of Seth Curry. Um, you know, obviously, he's one of the best three-point shooters in the league. But uh, I think their biggest problem is their defense, though, um, especially out on the wing in the perimeter. Uh, you know, they have some smaller guards who aren't great defenders like uh, Tim Hardaway and, and Trey Burke. And also, you know, Luka's great on offense, but he, he's he's not a great defender. So, And they also don't have a, a, um, a great rim protector. So I think their defense is their biggest problem. Obviously, they they need Chris Stapps uh, back and healthy, and uh, you know if they don't fix those two things, I, I think it's going to continue to be a, a very rough season for the Mavericks. Yeah, you know, like I mentioned, um, they've dropped six straight. They've lost nine out of their last twelve games. Um, Jace, it, it, who in particular here has to step up? Is I mean, Sean mentioned that um, Chris Stapps is kind of iffy with his injury. Luca's obviously been playing very well, but. Do, do the role players just need to step up like Hardaway uh like like Sean mentioned uh Josh Richardson isn't really isn't really doing it for them like Seth Curry was um so who who do you think has to step up on this team 
Um, well, yeah, I think the big ones are going to be Tim Hardaway and Josh Richardson. They, they really need to step up and supply some scoring to that guard position. But I, I, I person I am going to say here, I think might be a little surprising, is Willie Cauley-Stein. I think he needs to step up and relieve a little bit of pressure to limit the minutes of Christoph Porzingis because I, I, I think when he is a little bit overworked, um, at that center position, uh, he he ends up that that's where his injuries come from. So I think if you can get a solid, if another big man can handle more of the load, I, I think Christoph Porzingis will stay healthier, and then the Luca and him can make a little bit more magic and make this dynamic duo work a little better. Justin, what do you think about this Mavs team? Um, right now it's been a little it's been disappointing you know um they're supposed to be able to take that next step this year and really um have another chance at competing to win the western conference um but yeah i've been a really down on this team i'm really disappointed the way they've been playing um i like you know what sean brought up with the seth curry josh richardson trade because seth curry was a 45 percent three-point shooter last year and josh richardson 28 percent this year and the only guy that's shooting over 30% from deep this year on the team is Tim Hardaway. Um, you know, Luka's not a great three-point shooter. He struggled, you know, this year. But it's also been their offense. Their offense last year, they had a lot of ball movement. They were 13th in the league in assists. But this year, they've been a lot more staggering. There's not a lot of moving. There's a lot of standing around. And they ranked 28th this year. So um, for this map team, I think they got to get back to what they were doing last year. Really start moving the ball better like they were last year. Um, but you know, this is a team that they got to find a way out of this hole very soon. Yeah. You know, the, sometimes their offense just looks a bit stagnant and, you know, this, this Mavs team isn't, isn't one who's known for the, the proficiency on the defensive end. But, um, I mean that, that like, like with Brooklyn, you can kind of make up for the lack of defensive play with a great offense, which the Mavericks are supposed to have. I mean, they have in my mind, an elite scorer in Luka Doncic, and then they have two, or uh, an all-star scorer in Kristaps uh, Porzingis, and then they have a bunch of role guys who I think can score the ball, you know, given the opportunity. Tim Hardaway a couple weeks ago or last week dropped 36 points. So you're looking for more of that out of your role players, you know, having one of them pop off every once in a while to relieve some of that pressure on Kristaps Porzingis and Luka Doncic scoring-wise would be nice and would help them out a lot. So so I think definitely the Mavericks need to figure out their um, situation on the offensive end. Defensively is not much of a concern for me, but I think that once the Mavs kind of figure out what's going on on offense, they can turn it around. But if they if they continue this trend uh, and sit, to continue to sit at the bottom of the West, I think they can be in danger soon of, of not being able to turn things around. Um, so with that being said, that'll bring us to our first game break. But before that, we'll bring you a message from Clovercrest Media. Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of Baseball with the Bard. So we've got some good games coming up this week, starting with a tonight matchup on TNT with the Nets and the Clippers. 
obviously both teams are sitting pretty towards the top of their conferences. Uh, it's always exciting to see these East versus West uh, powerhouse matchups. I think, you know, they only meet twice a year, so it's kind of fun. Um, Justin, I'll start with you. What, what are you looking for in this matchup? Anything jumping out to you? Well, I want to, you know, how Brooklyn bounces back. They gave up 150 points to a Washington Wizards team that I know they're scoring basketball, but that's still a team you got to beat, you know. So I'm gonna, and now you go up against Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, who the last five games he's been averaging 30 points a game. He's really uh, playing well right now. So I'm interested to see how this Brooklyn team, um, if they can do enough to slow down the Clippers, because the Clippers can play defense. They're fourth in the league against it. Um, they're fourth, yeah, the Clippers are fourth in the league against, um, for points against. So, again, I think it's, you know, the Nets may you know, not have a ton of struggle scoring, but it may be a little bit more difficult than usual going up against a team like the Clippers. Sean, uh, what, do you, what do you think about this matchup? Yeah, I think uh, Justin brought up a great point, um, and I, I'm definitely looking forward to you know the superstar uh, matchup, you know Kawhi and Paul George going against uh, Kevin Durant because I'm sure they'll be guarding him most of the time. But um, you know, like Justin said, I, we'll see how the you know the Nets' offense obviously is great, but um, the Clippers' defense one of the better defense in the league. So we'll see if they can continue you know scoring all these points, and then um, defensively, it's just been a nightmare for the Nets. And um, I, I don't think it, it's a great matchup tonight. Um, they're going against a really hot team. Um, you know, after a really disappointing playoff uh, playoffs last year from Paul George and the rest of the squad, I, I think they're they're pissed off and they they want to come back and, and contend in the West and uh, go to the NBA Finals. So um, I, I think this is the big big Clippers. Uh, I think they're you know gonna be out to prove something. So uh, I I would go uh, the advantage to the Clippers in this one, but it's gonna be a really fun matchup, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to watching it. Uh, how about you, Jace? Well, yeah, I agree with it. Uh, it's going to be really, really fun. This is going to be a really tough matchup for this uh, dynamic, explosive Nets perimeter offense. I mean, with Kawhi and Paul George, should be interesting. But um, I, I mean, I'm very intrigued to see what's going to happen tonight. But I expect the West to be the West and the Clippers to dominate this team. I, 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 the Nets are playing very, very well. They, they lost that, that game last night. I mean, a couple nights ago to the Wizards. You know, that was just Russ pulling one over on his former teammates. Mm. But, uh, yeah, but the Clippers are really, really good. There's a reason they're number one in the West. Uh, and they're going to, they're going to show why the West is better than the East. Uh, do you agree with that, Lucas? Uh, I, I I hate to say yes, but yes. Um, <laughs> I, I think Sean brought up a good point with the Clippers being such a dominant defensive team. It'll be interesting to see how the Nets kind of react and game plan to that because, you know, we, we say all the time, and the Clippers by no means are a bad offensive team either. Um, mm. So it should be it should be interesting to see the Nets game plan for that. And, and I think this will be kind of the first time they face an elite defense. So... It'll be it'll be definitely interesting to see how they go into that game and and you know I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers win this game by twenty points just because just because of the holes on the on the um on the Nets defense and then two elite defenders in Kawhi and Paul George I think they're gonna they're gonna limit limit uh K- 
Kevin Durant and James Harden. I think Kyrie Irving might have a good game, though, so watch out for that. Um, tomorrow, a game that's not quite catching my eye, so I think we'll skim over that one. And the Clippers play again on ESPN on Friday versus the Celtics, another East-West matchup. Jason, uh, anything in particular you're looking at in this one? Uh, I, I'm. Th- this should be intriguing because uh, I, I like the way Jason Tatum's playing. Um, and Jalen Brown, we talked about a couple shows ago how both of those guys could be dark horses for the MVP. But then uh, I think this is going to be a tougher game because I, I like the way those guys match up with uh, Paul George and uh, and Kawhi a little bit better than I like how Kevin Durant and uh, James Harden and them match up with Kawhi. But uh, – I think the big thing in both these games for the Clippers is that they need Zubak. They, they need their bigs to step up because both these teams have been struggling. I mean, obviously the Nets were trading away Jared Allen. Uh, DeAndre Jordan's kind of been struggling to carry that same load. And then the Celtics, I mean, Daniel Tice is uh, all right, but he, he's he's not – he's nowhere near – a solid big man in this league. So uh, I, I think I'm, I'm really excited to see if the Clippers can handle their business down in the paint. I, I think they would take, they can take both these games here. Uh, those are great points. Uh, Justin, Sean, you got anything on this game? Yeah. You know, I think for the Celtics, um, can they close off a, a playoff contender? We, we saw a couple of times, low games, to the Sixers, um, even the Lakers on Saturday night. So for me, can the late, you know, if the Lakers have, I mean, the Celtics, if they have a chance towards the end of the game to close them out, can the Celtics be able to do that? Because we have not been able to see that so far. But I like Jason's point too about um, the paint game for the Clippers. I don't, you know, um, I don't like Daniel Tracer, Tristan Thompson down low. You know, Dubai could get going. Even Serge Ubaka's been playing better. In his last um, six games, he's got. 14 points and nine rebounds. So even Serge, I could see, have a big game Friday night against the Celtics. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I think, you know, the the Celtics bigs, uh, obviously you guys hit on that, but I think that's a great point. Um, Daniel Tice and Robert Williams played great the other night against the Lakers, and they still uh, lost. So they're going to need a lot more for, uh, production from their bigs. And then uh, Kemba Walker has to step up. Uh, last, you know, he had a terrible shooting performance against the Lakers when they played. Um, he's been kind of rusty you know, coming off that injury. Um, so I think, you know, he needs to step up. He needs to get back to all-star form if the Celtics, you know, really want to be contenders in the East. But, um, you know, they're going to get that consistency from their wing players, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Um, I, I think they're two young superstars. Jalen Brown definitely deserves to be uh, in his first all-star game this year. But uh, we'll see if the Clippers can take advantage um, with their big Zubak and Ibaka, see if they can uh, take advantage down low on some some weaker defenders uh, in the Celtics. So I think they could take over there. And then, uh, like I said, Kemba needs to step up if uh, they really want to make a, a push here. So next coming up, uh, I want to talk about some teams. We've talked, obviously, about teams struggling um, early on in this season. You know, as the season's progressing, you're kind of getting getting a sense of, of who's good and who's not but it still might be a little early for some teams. Uh, teams like we've talked about, the Mavericks, the Heat, Raptors, and the Pelicans, who are all kind of, you know, were looked at as as for sure fire playoff teams this season. They're struggling. They're trending towards the bottom of their conferences. So 
I wanted to go around around the little circle here. I'll start with Sean. We'll go to we'll go to Justin, and then we'll go to Jace. Uh, I want you guys to give me one team you think could take advantage of these uh, these teams struggling and and kind of uh, get a firm place in these playoffs, whether it be seven or eight seed. Yeah, uh, my pick would be, is actually going to be the Chicago Bulls. Um, I, I think they're a dark horse in the Eastern Conference. Uh, if you look at the seedings right now, you know the teams at the bottom and seven eight is uh, Hornets and the Cavs, which you know I, I think both those teams could easily be out of the playoffs. Um, obviously they've had a, a decent start to the year, but um, you, you all you need is a really to be right at five hundred record to make the seven or eight seed. We've seen that the past couple of years in the East, and I think that will continue. That's the way it's uh, looking to shape up right now. And um, you know I think the Bulls, I think they could do that. Um, they have a lot of talent on offense. Obviously, Zach Levine, um, I think he got snubbed from an all-star game last year. And um, I think he deserves to be an all-star game this year. He's a tremendous scorer. Um, he could do it, you know, driving to the rack, obviously, and shooting the three ball. But um, it's not it's not just him. Their offense is really good with, you know, young players like Kobe White, uh, Laurie Markkinen, you know, who's really been playing well the last couple of games, you know, had, had a couple of monster games last week. So um, I think their offense definitely has the talent to do it. And uh, I think their defense is just going to get better as the year goes on. Um, I think they have a young, a lot of young players, you know, that have to, you know, get that, uh, get that chemistry going on the defense side of the ball. And they also have a first-year head coach um, in Billy Donovan. So I think they're just going to get better as the year goes on. And uh, I could definitely see them slipping into the Eastern Conference uh, playoffs, maybe at that seven or eight spot. You know, Justin, um, for me, I'm thinking the Eastern Conference as well. I get the Miami Heat. I, uh, this is. One of my favorite organizations, this is probably my favorite organization in the NBA, the way they run, run things, the way they handle everything. Um, I was listening to you guys' show Saturday, and you, I know you guys are talking about um, the Lake not probably being there yet and all, you know. Um, and I definitely agree with that. I think that's been one of the issues. They're finally starting to get healthy. Jimmy Butler's back. Um, Bam's stepped up even more this year. He's playing even better. Um, and, and, of course, we all know that this team is, um, you know, they're, you know, they're built on defense, and I feel like, you know, Eric Spolsner and this staff is going to get their defense back to the peak performance where they don't have to put up so many points because that's not really their style. They want to keep games in the one, you know, low 100s, um, 90s is where the Heat want to be, and I think they'll be able to get there um, eventually, and I feel like in an Eastern Conference that, you know, is weaker towards the bottom, I feel like this team can sneak, you know, get their way back in the playoffs at six, you know, six, seven, eight seed. You know, they may not be able to beat the Nets in a series or the Bucks or somebody like that, but I think they could give them a, you know, I think they can give them a series or it wouldn't shock me to see the team go again on, on another run. Nice. Uh, I'm going, I'm going the, the Grizzlies here. I mean, I know right now they're fourth in the West, but as we saw last season, as they sadly lost that playoff playing game, with these teams struggling, I, I like how they're taking advantage and how they are tied for fourth right now in the West, and they're, they're taking advantage of these early struggles from these teams. So if they can take advantage of that, get, get this solid seeding, and then maybe they find themselves in a, a four or five at the end of the year because of this, or, or the, it could even help them towards that eight seed. If they can find themselves with that possible home position or in the first round of the playoffs, that could be that could be interesting. Or a, however they're doing the playoffs, I should say. No, yeah, that's that's a good pick, Jace. You know, uh, very out of the box thinking there, but I like it. Um, 
I'm gonna go with a team sitting sitting at I think eighth or ninth in the West right now, and that's the Houston Rockets. Uh, I read something a couple days ago that since they traded James Harden, uh, they they've been one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, and and that's crazy. Uh, they've also won I believe six six or seven straight games, so they're fighting. Yeah, they're, yeah, no, they're they're a tough team. Uh, John Wall obviously looks like he hasn't lost a step athletically. I mean, the guy's playing phenomenal. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins has been playing better as of late, uh, getting some starts. And then guys like, obviously, Chris Wood, who who last year kind of emerged towards the end of the season um, as a as a threat and a, and a big-time player. He's he's proven his worth this uh, this season so far. So I think this Houston Rockets team has has pretty good potential to, to sneak into these playoffs and maybe even – Win a few games, you know, tire out one of the powerhouses like the Lakers or the Clippers. So, um, thank you, Steve. I appreciate it. The Rockets are playing very well, so so that's a that's a good sign. Um, so with that, we'll go into our second game break of the day, and uh, first we'll give you a message from Clovercrest. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our main event. So not a lot going on right now, but there are some little tiny things to go over. Um, George Hill for the Thunder, obviously the Thunder aren't aren't, aren't that great. <laughs> He's going to be out about four weeks. Something I did want to go around and maybe talk about, something that made me laugh last night was that woman courtside at the Hawks game who, who got in that little argument fight with LeBron James and got ejected. Um I kind of give the, give the floor to anyone. Does anyone have anything to say about that? I think it was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. Um, uh, not much to say about it. Just I, I love LeBron's tweet after. Um, Karen was big mad. I, I thought that was hilarious. So. <laughs> oh yeah. Was funny. I mean, you yeah, go, Justin. The only the only thing is how uh, is this like? I'm actually shocked you're allowing fans courtside right now. That's true. I, I was actually just shocked to see that. Uh, but, yeah, that, that, that was a funny one, you know. That's something you probably don't hear too much in a full crowd, you know. Probably, yeah. No, yeah. Well. Yeah, I mean, Justin stole what I was going to say. Yeah, it's wild. I, I didn't realize they were having fans like this. but And it is interesting to see, like, yeah, with, with this is something that wouldn't be a problem in a, in a full stadium. Because it would get just drowned out, but yeah, now that there's no fans, it's just interesting. But yeah, yeah, and then uh, something else that that happened last night was the Pistons Nuggets was called off literally moments before tip off because of uh, COVID issues, um, and obviously, it, Jace is grimacing there because that brings flashbacks of the whole Utah Jazz Oklahoma City. Yes. Event that happened last season. So, Jace, I guess I'll start with you. I'm assuming you were going to tune into that game last year, but we're thrown off by the cancellation. No, um, yeah, I did have. It was a. So I don't know. I had a little bit of PTSD from that. Yeah, I wanted to get your your opinion here. How many more times do you think this has to happen before the NBA starts looking at stuff, or do you not think this was that big of a deal? Um, I I, I don't think that that was that 
necessarily big of a deal. I, I think they figured it out. Um, it is crazy that it did have to – it was right at the last minute, like right before tip-off. So that that was wild. Uh, I figured the NBA is would have been more diligent enough to have it figured out earlier. But at, at least they were able to get it figured out and uh, call off the game because of whatever was going on. So, um, Yeah, Sean, I'll, I'll go to you next. Do you think – that something like this could be if this stuff like this keeps happening obviously which hopefully it won't that it could be detrimental to the to the season and how it plays out yeah i think it could um i mean if it keeps happening i i'm not sure that it will um i'm sure you know the nba keeps putting in you know more protocols and guidelines to you know try and uh you know contain the virus obviously not let it spread throughout all these teams um, so I, I think it, it can if it gets to that point, but I, I think the NBA has done a good job of, you know, after a really rough start with a, you know, a lot of teams and a lot of players out with COVID, uh, I think they've they've done a better job of, you know, really, you know, containing the virus and, you know, not letting it spread. And I, I think last night was probably, um, you know, they just got they probably just got late results of, you know, testing or close contacts, and I, I'm sure it was right before the game. That's probably why they ended up uh, doing it just, you know, on such sudden notice. But um, I. I think that you know the NBA has definitely done a better job with their protocols, and uh, I don't see it to to be a problem going forward. But you, you never know with the with COVID, so uh, we'll see how it plays out, though. Justin, you got any comments on this situation? Um, the only thing you know, I don't think that you know the NBA right now is any danger of what happened last night. The only thing is, to me, is like they can't wait till the last second. It just you know it's unfair to the players, you know, to the Nuggets who. You know, got to Detroit, came already, got ready for the game, and right before tip-off, you know, it's like, okay, get back on the plane and, and go home. And even for, like, the few fans I think that Detroit has, um, you know, they leave work or, you know, you leave, leave, you leave work early or something, you drive to the game, and all of a sudden, you, you know, you're in your seats and the game gets canceled. It's kind of unfair to the fans, too, because it's, you know, one night maybe that they could actually go to the game and now it gets canceled. So I wish they did this, you know, it, I wish – you know, again, who knows what happened, but I wish that the, the results came earlier than they did last night. Yeah, no, the my only thing, like just like you said, Justin, I wish things would be they'd be more on top of it. Like Sean said, um, you know, you never know; it could be a late contact tracing or something like that going on. So, um, so we won't let that consume any more of our time because we got something fun coming up. I. Uh, I wanted this is kind of uh this came into my mind today and I thought it would be perfect to end the show on something kind of fun to talk about. Um we'll start with with Sean then go to Justin then go to Jace, but I wanted to know is there a particular game in NBA history that you guys just really wish you were courtside for or if you could go back in time and get a free courtside ticket to one of these games? Wh- which game would that be for you? Uh, I'm going to pick uh, the 2013 finals, uh, game six, obviously the game. Uh, it was uh, Miami Heat for San Antonio Spurs, the game where Ray Allen um, hits the three to, you know, head to overtime after Chris Bosh, you know, gets the rebound and pass it out to him. But um, just the, the comeback at the end of that game, you know, obviously everyone thought the Spurs were wanted at that point. Um, they were up three to two. So uh, it, it looked like the Spurs were going to win the championship. Obviously, you know, they were rolling out. Uh, the trophy to, to hand to the Spurs and, uh, you know, everyone goes, you know, wait on a minute, it, the, the Heat come back and, you know, they make the amazing comeback and obviously go on to win in overtime. Um, so just when I think of, you know, uh, obviously I've been a big NBA fan my whole life, but 
for some reason, uh, one of the biggest games that sticks out to me is this one. I, I could just remember exactly where I was watching it. Um, I, I, it was just one of the one of the more fun games I have ever watched in my life. So that that's definitely one that comes to mind. Um, if if I were able to be courtside for that one, it, it'd be amazing. Justin, what do you got? I'm also going back to pass. Uh, a little bit more farther back. I'm going back to the 1986 playoffs um, with Michael Jordan game two of the Eastern Conference Finals mm. against the Boston Celtics. Um, I, you know, to me, MJ's the greatest of all time. Obviously, I never saw him in person or any of that. It's a 63 point um, game that he had. Uh, I know that they, the Bulls got swept in that series, but he kept them afloat against, you know, that roster the Celtics had, which was nasty. Larry Bird, um, Bill Walton. Um, I'm having a brain fart here. Who else is on that team? But anyways, um, they was just, you know, the way he tried to put the Bulls on his back was, you know, outstanding. And that's one of, I think, the best performance we've ever, you know, we, that we saw from Michael Jordan. So that's one of the reasons why, I, you know, let's just sit courtside. I guess any Michael Jordan game, but that was the one that kind of uh, stuck out to me, the 86 playoff game. Jace hit me with it. What do you got? All right. I got a 1995 finals Orlando Magic versus Houston Rockets. Game one. I'm a big Shaq guy. I I wanted to pick a a, a jazz game, but I I went with Shaq instead. His first game, his first ever finals game, him against Akeem in the paint. And then it all came down to the infamous Nick Anderson missed free throws. Hmm. And boy, that they just feel I, I watching it and, and me even talking about it now, I can feel the energy of when I watched that back. Um, so to be in the arena, to see that happen, to see those free throws get missed, and to see Shaq and the dream go at it, I, that, that's just amazing to me. Yeah, I'm going a little more uh, recent than you and Justin did, a little more around when Sean was going. But uh, those are two great picks by you guys, by the way. Um, I didn't even think to go back that far. But um, I'm going to go with the 2016 Game 7 of the NBA Finals when the Cleveland Cavaliers conquered the 73-win Warriors. I have never been happier after watching a basketball game. I think – I. I'm one to always root for the underdog, and I'm so happy that the Cavaliers were able to climb back from a 3-1 deficit in that series. Um, I think being courtside for that game would be amazing, especially if I was right right behind Kyrie Irving when he hit that that kind of dagger uh, over Clay Thompson um, from deep three. So I, I think that game was great. I was happy as hell watching it from my house that the Cavaliers finally, A, were able to win a championship and, B, take down a juggernaut like the Warriors. Um, so I can't imagine how happy I would have been seeing that courtside and obviously staying for the championship celebration and all that stuff. So that would have been fantastic for me. Um, but you guys all made great picks, so that was fantastic. Um, yeah, it was really fun. So that wraps it up today for uh, the Posting Up podcast brought to you by Clovercrest Media Group. Uh, Like it says right there at the bottom, visit clovercrestmedia.com to check out our wide range of podcasts. And like I always say, you could start your own. Uh, Go to the Clovercrest Media website to find out more about that. Uh, Thanks for Justin for joining us. Uh, Welcome back, Sean and Jace, as always. 
Thank you for being on with us. Um, and that'll do it for the Posting Up podcast. Peace. Ivy League Murders. On this podcast, we focus on cases affiliated with the Ivy League, exploring the darker side of higher education. What happens when genius becomes evil? My name is Sarah Alcorn. I'm a Harvard graduate, and I've been a private investigator since 1999. Join me and longtime crime diva, Laura McDonald, for Ivy League Murders.